recording. Kind of See. So yeah, just go ahead and introduce okay. yourself and say you're listening to I know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> this is Christian Nairn, better known as Hodor from Game of Thrones, and you're listening to the kind of epic show, Hodor. Expensive. Yeah. The ones in Chicago How much were, were they? more than four times the Mine price. Mine was ninety two. Oh shit. Like a good ticket in Chicago was. Did you see it here at the Murrah? Yeah. Uh ninety two dollars. Jesus, how was it? was fucking great. <laughs> <laughs> Do you I see mean, some people online have actually done a thing where they they've done using the animation software that South Park has, they brought the Book of Mormon C D into into South Park. So they just like invited the Mormons in by <laughs> by cutting and pasting. Nice. nice. Yeah, it was it was really funny being there because you could tell that like some of the older people were there, like probably had season tickets, yeah. and they didn't have any idea what they were about to get into. <laughs> like, I heard people say, "I don't know what this one is about." <laughs> oh man! Did they not infer that it might be about Mormons? <laughs> well, yeah, that was another funny thing. The playbill, like there was three pages that were ads for the actual Book of Mormon. Like the Mormons went out. Oh and wow! Was like now that you've seen this, read the actual book. <laughs> the one thing that Trey Parker wow. and Matt Stone have said consistently about about the Book of Mormon mm. is like we picked them not because they're crazy but they're nice they picked them because they're genial people <laughs> <laughs> like they're like they're like we are making fun of them yes they need to have a sense of humor because we've read their book <laughs> <laughs> we could not write what we wrote if we had not read their book <laughs> yeah the, there were a lot of like really funny sayings that like the older couple I was sitting to next to didn't laugh at, like when the uh, uh, the Ugandans do their interpretation of the Book of Mormon. Oh God, yeah! And they run out like at the end of the their song, like the guys are wearing these belts with giant brown phallic things on them, wiggling around saying "God says fuck, God says fuck." <laughs> <laughs> Like, it starts off, like, uh, uh, Arthur Cunningham, it, like, sort of twisted the Book of Mormon so that it actually applied to some of the things the Ugandans were doing. Syncretic Christianity, that's common. But, uh, uh, so, like, they started off the thing by uh, saying, Joseph Smith, don't fuck the baby. Uh, what? <laughs> oh, my God. Hey, everybody, welcome to Kind of Epic Show. Do you know, that was a part of the, the Paul Jenkins interview that got cut because my software kicked down on me but we were talking like it's like so pretty much the only thing you haven't written is a holy text and he's like you know I'm working on it and then we started talking about the Mor Book of Mormon <laughs> that was the only bit we, we talked about the Book of Mormon and Scientology both and that was the bit of the interview that got cut because of my software I think he's listened to it and he's probably like did you cut that bit because we're politically incorrect he's like no it was the best fucking bit of the interview my software pooped out on me like he was we were literally just like because I mentioned the bet that like Arthur C. Clarke Kurt Vonnegut Jr. and um, and I mean, well, depending on your on who you ask, if Arthur C. Clarke was involved, but Kurt Vonnegut Jr. said absolutely it was a bet that he made with L. Ron Hubbard at one of the first science fiction conventions, the WorldCon. <laughs> and so he's like, um, I don't know what city it was in, but essentially he's like, you know, let's all invent our religion and let's put it in our books. That's where all the money's at. It's tax exempt, you know. Mm -hmm. And then L. Ron Hubbard took this bet 
really fucking seriously <laughs> and tried actually twice to get tax-exempt status for his official religion. And Kurt Vonnegut just wrote this thing called Bokanonism, which was it literally it was this book, this book of absolute truth is composed of complete lies, was the what was on the holy, holy book. Uh, and then um, essentially the main tenet of the religion was to be completely harmless. And so it had a kind of a really, like, um, who's the Hitchhiker's Guide? Uh, Douglas, had Douglas Adams. Adams kind of vibe to it. And I mm. think, I mean, he's mentioned that he was kind of an inspiration to him in a certain <laughs> way. And I can see that vein. So far, sorry for that tangent, but I think that was a nerdy enough tangent. Yeah, we talked, yeah. we got to talk about musicals, <laughs> uh, religions that involve science in the name, um, and uh, famous science fiction authors. Yeah, and yeah. we needed some kind of segue from Don't Fuck the Baby. Because <laughs> that was Which you just brought up again. <laughs> I didn't say it was a good segue. I just said it was us saying that we were segueing. But yeah. Just as a random thing. If, like, the Book of Mormon ever comes through your town or something, it is really worth the 92 bucks. <laughs> Did you know we were supposed to interview Josh Gad, the star? Oh, really? Um, he was doing a thing. He was playing this guy called Mondo on back when, like, MTV decided that they were going to, for, like, a minute, actually care about animation again. Uh-huh. We were at New York City that year for New York Comic Con, and we had all of these interviews set up, which are impossible. I know, you weren't there with us, I don't believe, for that. You went to C2E2 with us that year, I think, but not to New York Comic Con. Okay. But it was impossible. Like, you, first of all, there's no internet, ever. Like, as much as, as any convention center is, a, is like, an internet and Wi-Fi dead zone, mm. doubly so in New York, because you're on public transport if you're getting there. And so, like, we, did, we didn't have... We'd gotten confirmed for the interview. We didn't know that. Mm. <laughs> but it never... I mean, so, yeah, it just didn't materialize. We were there. And you have to... You're supposed to talk about this stuff that isn't released yet. The way that you know about that is to attend the panel. Mm-hmm. You can't attend the panel and also attend the press screening. Because there isn't a press screening. It's it's just an, a, a roundtable where you're supposed to talk about the things that are going on at the panel that you can't see because you're there interviewing the guest. So the whole thing was just, like, really fucked up the entire weekend. Oh. But, I, yeah, I just, I'm sorry for segueing there. But, yeah, it was really, he was cool. I did see him. Mm-hmm. He was a funny guy, but <laughs> <laughs> we, never got him, we never got him on the show just because of how weird that setup is. It's amazing. It's like a clusterfuck of amazingness. Like, <laughs> I, it's, it's, it's like the opposite of what Indiana Comic Con was. Like, it was too many people and too much awesome, mm-hmm. as opposed to just too many people. Well, um... Welcome to our Game of Thrones episode, people. <laughs> hey, we, have, we haven't had David on the show. In real time, we haven't had David record for three weeks, and before that, it had been almost a month. Real time, it's been three weeks. Well, we just posted X-Men last, well, two weeks. Uh, you were yeah, on it so. two weeks ago, but in real time, you'd recorded a week before that. Yeah, it was... The, You've recorded, like, two episodes. Went on vacation. Yeah. 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 And, uh, then, yeah. Um, and then before that, it had been almost a month as well. No, I don't been Godzilla? Bad. Oh, Godzilla. Yeah, yeah was, I yeah. forgot about that. But before Godzilla, it had been almost no, it had been a couple Spider-Man. of weeks. Spider-Man. Oh, I'm just thinking of when they were posted. Okay, that's a weird Weekly? thing, even for me. <laughs> <laughs> even for me, it's a weird thing in terms of like when, a, when, when something is posted and when it's yeah. actually recorded. Because if I wasn't here, I have no idea when the fuck you guys recorded. <laughs> well, I'm normally down here every I don't know, Monday or Tuesday. Yeah, we, we try to be every week. week. Yeah. He's missed report. a couple. Yeah, I came back from vacation last week. Then you were super busy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Game of Thrones. Yeah, uh, that ended a couple weeks ago. La- last week. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, it's just to preface, week. we've been like holding this in for a year. Uh, oh. <laughs> oh, are we jumping right to the 
first interview? No, no. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm just saying, like, <laughs> in terms of doing a Game of Thrones special, like, we've been saying we would do it for literally a year. Well, we did talk about... What was we talked about like We've two episodes. We've talked about a lot yeah. of Game of Thrones. Gave more than you know because I we're listen. not on every week. I listen. We yeah. we did about three episode recaps out yeah, of this I total s- thing, and most of those were combined episode recaps. Yeah, I think the last time I spoke about it on the podcast was near the beginning of the season. You were sitting over there. We were there, and, and, and we started, were pissing off David. Well, yeah, you were to... you were making fucking references to Tywin's death on the toilet. Yes, I was. I, I, was, I was making just, them subtly. I know. I was making them subtly. About <laughs> they did it. To be fair, they did it in the freaking show. They did. I, I they they did it on actually. the show in an episode before, Bay- or two episodes before, Baelish oh, yeah, was yeah, sitting yeah, there yeah, saying, yeah. saying, some men die on their chamber pots. Yeah, I know. Fucking I writers, I love you. <laughs> I fucking love that when I was like, yeah. yes. <laughs> well, because, I mean, in truth, I didn't know if it was going to happen. Well, because so much has changed. And, like, and he alluded to uh, the death in the bed, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's like, some people like die at all of his dinner. Yeah. Some yeah. people stuff he was talking about. Die at, you know what he didn't say? Some people get their heads smashed in like pumpkins. <laughs> he didn't shit. say that. That was one of the hardest things I've ever seen. I knew it was probably going to happen, but I held out like a sliver of hope because I'm like, so much shit has changed. Not so much. A surprising amount. I mean, like, because they had to play up his character and they gave so much more expository dialogue to both him and to other characters like Peter Baelish this season and what's happening with the, the, at the wall and with the Night Watch is so different from what's happening in the books. Like, after episode five or six, like, I'm like, I really have this feeling of I don't know what the fuck is going on. Well, well don't, don't go I, into it too much, just in case. No, I mean, literally, literally everything that... I mean, you're caught up with I Am, because there are elements of this season that have ended the books. Like, with Bran's story is as far as it is in the books. Like, there's nothing more that I could tell you. Well... There's a little bit. There's a little bit more. Because he goes in the training with the guy in the... Which, I mean, you're assuming, like, he says you're going to learn to fly. Yeah. Like, so they do a little of that. But really, it's there. I mean, that's just what it is. I mean, that's... Same with Sansa. Sansa's all the way... Sansa, I think, is further, essentially. Well, no, because... Well, they've changed. That was the biggest change. That that she's sort of, well... She's not a whiny little brat, like, in the books. She's not having to pretend. I suppose in this show, she's more of an accomplice now than she is in the books. Because they've eliminated a complimentary character. They eliminated, um, which is funny because he's actually in the series. They they have him in. Um, Lysa mentions him or Flysa, people call her because she oh gets, the the singer the guy the singer who is actually like in blamed. like he she mentions him mm. and he's also um, he's also a character in season one mm. and season two. I like the way they dealt with it in this season though because it was a lot more streamlined than it was in the yeah. books. And Part of it was yeah, just a couple scenes and then they were done. They were caught up. Also, it, yeah, it doesn't make Sansa seem like a, a. It makes her seem like a really compelling character. We were talking mm-hmm. before you hit the space bar, like also like that descent because because uh, Gilman had said, or I'm going to call you Gilman because it's weird for me to both call you David. Okay, I don't know why people don't do that on the show. Because normally it's just me and him. Oh. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess if somebody else is calling you David, they assume that he's not referring to himself. It could just be a weird third person thing. I don't know. Maybe. David, do you ever refer to yourself in weirdly third person? No, I do not. Okay. See, now it's confirmed. <laughs> now they know. They didn't before. Um, but yeah, like we were talking about those '80s redesigns, and like Sansa already did that. She walks down the stairs and like yeah, fucking like evil Mia Sara or Maleficent with yeah. a fucking giant necklace. Yeah, <laughs> well, it's a mockingbird that she sewed herself. Is that what that necklace is? It's a mockingbird. 
It just looked like a these weird circles that was kind of like, look at my cleavage. Cleavage? <laughs> well, she's realizing like that's her power base mm-hmm. is like, oh, I can make you, I can make you an heir to the, uh, to half of the southern or half of the seven kingdoms because that's how big the north is. Mm. Oh, and also I'm the last surviving Tully, so that's the entirety of the Riverlands. Mm. Oh, and also no, she's not the last surviving Tully. Well, I mean, Edmir, her, the Blackfish, and he's off. And he's off somewhere. But really, who gives a fuck about him? Ed- like, if she laid a claim to the throne, already having the control of of the north and and possibly the the Vale as well, like. Well, she has an army. Edmir, let me put it that way. She's got an army in the Vale. Edmir's got fuck all. Well, I, I'm I'm not saying she should like outright claim it. And I mean, I you, think that I, she's I, not going to get a choice. Like with Baelish there. Well, if Baelish was smart, he would put him in charge of the Riverlands as just putting somebody there in that seat. I mean, but and besides that, the brothers' She's actual family that the would care about alive. her and wasn't batshit crazy like her aunt. So I think like he would see her as, see him as a legitimate threat. Like this is complete speculation. So we can ask David as well. Like, how do you feel like Baelish as a character? Because he's so weird. He's so different. Like even I mean we're not talking about like the books we're just talking about like you've seen him develop as a character over five almost five seasons of the show now four four, four, four seasons, seasons. <laughs> <And> <laughs> I, I was saying that because it's almost like it's five books yeah but no like like what do you think like do you think that he's the legitimate contender for the throne like because it, it, does it make it seem like no, the season I, he's got I, I don't think, that's what he wants I, don't think so. I think that's what he wants he what says he wants? everything well, his answer to Sansa is I want everything I don't think I. I hope he's, well, maybe he does have a plan figured out somehow, but I don't think he would ever actually get the throne. I think he could become Hand of the King. I think that he has been underestimated. He's already been on the small council. Yeah. He went from literally not, be, I mean, he was from a noble family, so he's technically nobility, but not a lord. He wasn't even the lord of his own, ho- of his own house, of House Baelish. Mm-hmm. He goes from that to being like a portmaster, and then he uses that to like, finance becoming a pimp <laughs> and then he's got he's got literally like in the books the way that they phrase it forgive me for for using a book reference here david but it's like they say t- t- Tyrion has this whole line of dialogue talking about like they talk about my dad like being protected by by money but are be are wearing a coat of money as like as like armor mm. so he's like no no my dad's thing is like paying his debts or whatever like peter baelish is the one who's who's or who's protected by money because he always seems to find a way to give you it. You know what I mean? Like, he finds it where it isn't supposed to be, and it's, it's a way that benefits whoever was asking. It's their own money. It's not his money. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, like, when he levies taxes uh, in King's Landing or whatever, or when he finds a way to, to get money from, from the Iron Bank, because we find out in the first season just how fucking in debt King's Landing is. And that's entirely Peter Baelish. Even though now that's over. Because Yeah. Well, Stan, I mean, he didn't... I, I wonder, because it's played up the fact that they mentioned it in, in, in um, Night, or Mockingbird, I believe is the name of the episode, and then the episode after. They mentioned the fact that he's from Bravos originally. They're using that as... Yeah, it's after Mockingbird. The, the, uh, or no, it is Mockingbird. I'm sorry. It was... But when he's getting interrogated, they're essentially like, you can't be Lord of the Vale because you're not from here. In fact, your family is from Bravos. And so they're they're playing up that connection. Do you think that they're that's something that they're playing you up? That? I don't. Remember it's only that. it's only a line. I mean, he is from Bravos in the books, but they mention it. They're saying so. Your family's originally from Bravos, right? And they mention that 
the, that his sim the symbol of his house, even though he's chosen a nightingale, the symbol of his house is actually the Titan of Bravos. We're, we're fact-checking you here because I don't remember I guarantee that. that these things are true. It's a very small line in the actual, while he's getting interrogated. I don't remember that from the books. It's not something that they talk about very often because his, his sigil is a nightingale, but it's a sigil that he chose. The, his house is actually, the symbol is the, the Titan of Bravos. And there's a part in the books where it's actually a prophecy um, that we've, I mean, it's supposed to, I, I mean, it really, none of the prophecies, if there's any prophecies in the book, like, they really haven't been shown in the, in the series. Like, so I'm not even, other than, like, um, Azora High, the, the light bringer, the blade and all that, like, you're the prince that was promised, like, uh, Messendei, or I mean, not Messendei. Uh, oh, here we go, here we go. Peter Baelish's great-grandfather was a Bravosi sellsword. Um, when his son became a hedge knight, he took the stone head of the Titan of Bravos as a sigil. Lord, speak up, because I don't know if they can hear you. Lord Baelish's father was the smallest of small lords on a few rocky acres on the sm smallest of the fingers. So, okay, his family did come over from Bravos, but he was born in Westeros um, after his father had already been established as a... Uh, as a lord of the one of the finger legs, and that's also yeah. where it, I like that you mentioned that because that's where his little finger name comes from. Mm -hmm. Is that he was essentially lord of the little fingers, like he was able to manipulate that and make it kind of his power base, which is not something like a lot of the political angles of the show. They don't really get discussed or fleshed out. It's just kind of like left there, kind of for you to to fill in yourself. I mean, because that's the biggest fault of the books. I think is that they're not anywhere near as streamlined as you can be in terms of storytelling with a show. The myth building is amazing. I love it, but well, yeah, it's the thing about too the much. Is that there? Yeah, there's a lot of detail, and I normally like the detail. Though. Oh, I love it, but I think that like if you sacrifice some of those little details for something that has a fuck ton more punch, mm -hmm. that actually has importance in driving the story along. I feel like I mean it did that this season more than any other season. This is my favorite season of the show. I'm not ashamed to say. I mean, what what is your overall opinion of the season? I mean, I'm, forgive me for like taking us in weird directions here, but I'm just kind of curious, what is your overall impression, or did you like this season more or less than past seasons? I know, you just keep throwing me in. It's odd. Um, I, I don't know. I really liked it. <laughs> it was really good. See, this is why I'm not going to talk during the Mad Men. Like, I'm just going to leave the room. Because <laughs> I'll have nothing to contribute. I'm like, yeah, Don Draper guy, he's pretty uh, slick, ain't he? Yeah, yeah. Well, I... I don't know where to hop in when you're on a rant like that. I just don't yeah. know where to go. I don't know. He's one of my... I guess the reason I wanted to talk about Baelish is because I think, like, his character had one of the most promotion this season from, like, side character, partly because he left King's Landing. and um, Partly because he re he revealed that he's... He revealed that he's the... Fah! Mindfuck! Biggest thing. That was the biggest mindfuck for me the entire season. But Did you not notice... That was in the books. I didn't. The I didn't think. I didn't know mind about fuck. it. What biggest mindfuck? What biggest mindfuck? Well, they revealed that he uh, had set up John Aaron's uh, murder. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. He, so and that Lysa had done it. Yeah, yeah, that was in the books. I didn't know because I hadn't. That's the only portion of the book that I haven't read. Is, is he like, hasn't read Storm. all the books? That's here. the only book I haven't read. Is the best fucking one. How the fuck did you do that? It was weird. I've explained it before on the show, but like. I essentially, first season, I binge-watched because we thought we were oh, going to interview Jason right. Momoa. Yeah. Second season, yeah. I bought the second book immediately because I'm like, I need more Game of Thrones content immediately. And then you and I already decided. had the first book, yeah. but then, um, and which I reread yeah. to get to get the more detail. Mm -hmm. I love it because it's signed by G GRR and by R.A.N.L. 
and I should have had Hodor sign it, but I didn't. <laughs> but yeah, like then second book picked it up, and then I get halfway through a Storm of Swords, and I'm like, or Clash of Kings, and I'm like, damn it, I don't actually want to know what's gonna happen next season, and I don't have that long to wait. So then second season happens, finish Storm of Swords, or finish Clash of Kings. Didn't I didn't pick up a. a but you read of, a Feast of Crows. I read a Feast of Crows, and I read that because I'd seen the third season, and it was mostly mostly the third season there. And also because all the big fucking details have been spoiled for me by both friends and Wikipedia. Because mm. I would just do something like, hey, I want to find, what is the, like, the house symbol or whatever. I would look that up, and then that would be the first be. link. And then immediately there'd be a fucking Red Wedding reference. Like, I literally, I looked up the sound, song Reign of Casimir because I wanted to find out where to download it. Mm. Uh, pull it up on, like, Wikipedia to find out who the who the person who sings it is, and it was like, oh, it's the National, that's really cool. And then they're like, played during the death of... <laughs> and like, the fuck? The, the, by the fuck? Do you need to put that in that that particular article? Yeah. I just I, destroyed uh, David's ears because that was my feeling, like my depth of passion at that time. Yeah, when I was reading and watching the show, I avoided going... I, I learned my lesson. Wikipedia or anything like that. I mean, the closest thing I came to was when I put in uh, Jon Snow... R, R plus L equals J? No, not that. It was something else. But yeah. And it was like the second or third thing. I was like, what? Fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Why would anyone? Yeah, like it's like the biggest spoilers about the characters are contained in the first paragraph of any Wikipedia article. <laughs> Like, that's why I don't feel as bad about sport. Like, David is, does a great job of posting things, like, after they've aired. Obviously, we're doing a season recap. So, to a certain extent, I really love that about this. Um, but, like, even when we, like, talked Doctor Who or something, it was, like, usually two weeks after, well, a full two weeks after the episode had aired. And so, it's, like, at that point, we didn't care. Because the way that they're formatted, we can't really have a conversation with no spoilers because mm. the yeah, meat of the show is what we talk about. Talking about the show like after the season's done is better, especially from my point of view with David because I don't have to hold back on a lot of things. There's really not... Very I don't true. think I have really many spoilers. But let's not say. talk about the book again. <laughs> let's stick strictly to the show. That's really all I wanted to get out there about the well, book. Is okay, like, those just, were all the major just leave changes. Just leave it. And I'm just saying... And let's I talk think, about the show. I'm just saying I think that Sansa and Littlefinger are both better characters in the show this season and better characters even I've always overall. liked Sansa. Really? Yeah. I, I, not, I mean, I liked her more in the third season, but I didn't like her in the first and second season. She, because her actions are so... You, I mean, in the first season, you can't do anything but just despise what well, she does. She lost her dog. <laughs> yeah. ah, it is. I haven't thought about it like that, but that is why she loses her dog. True. Yeah. But, I had somebody at work ask me about. So, did, what's with the like the direwolves and stuff? And I'm like, well, they're essentially like a big metaphor for like their their stasis as like a Stark or something. Yeah. Or like Arya's wolf is running around the woods acting wild, like which is what Arya is doing. Yeah. yeah. Sansa's wolf died because she betrayed her family. Yes. Um, well, I didn't even still, read into that, but that's amazing. Yeah, that's a great Ghost analogy. Is, Ghost is still John. Um, Rob well, lost his North the of same. the Wall. He was North of the Wall for a long time, which I think that would be a nice al- analogy for it. Even he was separated in distance because he was behind. He was in the, still with the Night's Watch. He was over there uh, north of the Wall because he couldn't climb the wall. Wasn't Ghost kidnapped? No, Ghost, yeah, but Ghost went, Ghost went with John across the Wall. Mm-hmm. Ghost, um, Ghost gets separated from him. He Ghost isn't with him when he's with the wildlings. Mm-hmm. Or if he is, like he can't climb the wall. Is no. the main thing. He can't get back through. 
He can't get back through the, yeah, the gate. I know. I'm pretty sure Ghost is actually with John. Now? No, not now, but with the wildlings until they got to the wall. Yeah. Well, maybe not in the TV show. I'm thinking of the book. Well, I don't even... I mean, it's kind of nebulous in the book. Anyway, anyway. This he's is just... I'm just saying, he's separated. That division, mm-hmm. I think, is a... Like, part of, the wild part of him is north of the wall. And he's still, like, with Egret. Um, the youngest Stark, I forget his name. With the uh, shaggy bat- dog? Rick, yeah. Rickon. I can, Rickon yeah, and I, I can remember the dog. <laughs> well, because that scene in the first season where it's like, shit, your pants serious, like... Well, that's you're down that, in the, the that, tomb. That dog is becoming, like, feral and wild, just like the... the, the Rickon. He's being he raised by a wildling. Uh, yeah, and he doesn't really have. Oh, when any... do we see him again? Do we um, see actually, him again? Actually, uh, no. Yeah. I mean, oh, really, wow. he like hasn't been he, in the book since they separated. That yeah. won't. I doubt that that'll be the case in the in the show because, like I said, Bran's storyline is pretty much where it is in the books. I think that they'll if they invent new storylines at all. My guess would be that they would invent a storyline for Rickon, like because Rickon is with Osha, oh. and we she's a popular character. Mm-hmm. And, like, the thing is, like, in the books, like, we saw the stuff with Theon, where, like, Theon is still, I mean, because Alfie Allen is a popular enough actor, and people love to hate him, or love him. I don't get the people who love him, but, um, like... <laughs> I, never, I, I never hated him. I did. But, like, I mean, oh, wait, wait, I wait, feel wait, bad. Wait. I feel bad about it. Theon? Well, I... I don't hate him now. I, uh, <laughs> at the end of the second season. Uh, yes, at the end of the second season. You, may, you may pity him, but he's responsible essentially for the Red Wedding and everything that happens to Winterfell. Yeah, I, I, I get that. Yeah, I don't he know. destabilizes Cat. Like I don't. I feel better about Cat in the show than I do about her in the in the books, and to a certain extent because it's like, fuck, <laughs> everything but, happens so quick. But I mean, yeah, Theon. Uh, Theon essentially deserves anything. Yeah. Cause well, I mean, getting the getting just, bleh, he, I can't even he, say it. He fucked up majorly. We thought that we might sing like, um, like do the Game of Thrones song like before you hit the space bar, and then he, David started or Gilman started singing. We know, we know, we know. <laughs> <laughs> They've made so many gifts of that, like the when the guy's shaking his uh, the sausage at Theon. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh man so but yeah like he disappears and so like you can't have that you can't have a major character really disappear from the show even though like they're willing to do that in the books and I just don't think that well it was less they had major characters disappear in the books it was more he just wrote a book that was just about these set of characters it, there's that but then there's also I mean I guess there's that but there's also like he builds up the mystery because you're like the fuck is this point of view character at? <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> Literally, I have no idea where you're at. Yeah, when uh, uh, when I got to that first thing about uh, um, the first chapter that was just titled Reek in the fifth book. and I was like, who like, the fuck is this? Yeah, that I had to look up because I was a couple pages into it. And I was like, why the fuck am I supposed to give a shit about this? Well, see, it was completely spoiled for me by the show. Because, by like I said, by the time I was reading, yeah, the, but I didn't. Yeah. I, but when I was reading it, I had no idea do you, that it had had happened to Theon. I asked that to the Game of Owns people, but it's like, how do you feel? Like, as so we have two book readers here. Although I'm a weird book reader, David is a book reader, but he's he's just he's just doing what I should have done, which is just com- be completely unsullied and enjoy the show for what it is, and then go back and read it. But I, I really love the fucking books, and I had some of them in my possession, even if I unwisely did the course of reading that I did. Mm. But like, how do you, how do you, how do you feel about that? Like lack of, do you, do you prefer to have the characters included or do you, do you miss that lack of mystery that, that, that the, the readers, that the readers had? 
the readers had like a payoff, like you said, with that first Reek chapter. You don't get that in, in, the, in the show. Does that make the show better or worse, in your opinion? Well, it's a different way to handle the material because in the show, I mean, you're still, there's a sense of mystery there because at that point you're with Theon and you don't know who's torturing him, what's going on there, where he's at. And it's, I almost have to say, I like the way, I, I like that better than just throwing me, you know, head first into a chapter with somebody I don't even recognize. Yeah. Because we caught up with Theon, like, after all of that torture stuff, mm-hmm. and he was already a subservient to uh, uh, Ramsay. So you say, you, even though he'd done all those horrible things, you actually never really hated him? Not really. I mean, I think what something that the show does so well is take characters full cir- circle. They can do the worst things, and then they build them back up for you, you know, and they make you feel sorry for the character or uh, continue on a path back to, to being a good character, yeah. you know? And I, I feel like uh, Reek is still in that process. So creepy to me. And I, I can't yeah. help but feel bad for him, given the position that he was originally yeah. and the reason he did all the things that he did. I can understand that. I, I think that part of the decision is made just because he's a good, bloody actor. Yeah. Like, I, he, I, I mean, like I said, I feel rather unsympathetic for him and still love him. Just like the same with Lena Haiti. Love to hate her. Love her as an actress. <laughs> Fucking adore her. Mm. I mean, if Cersei, like, chews up the scenery, I love it. Even, even, though she's, she's even everything that she does outside oh, of the she's, show? She's bloody. You know, the stuff that she does outside of the show I've liked. Oh. I know, I did. I, I liked, um, I liked obviously, uh, even though she plays a lot of the bad guys, um, I haven't seen The Purge, but, I mean... I don't know. I feel like she takes a lot of roles that are really not good. <laughs> well, you, you didn't like her as Mama? and, and uh, No, that's fine. But that's one out of, like, 12 she does every year. The Mortal Instruments was bad, not because she was in it. <laughs> <laughs> there were a bunch of very good English actors. It's sort of like trying to blame Idris Elba for being in that Ghost Rider movie. Yeah. Who's the best part of that Ghost Rider movie? <laughs> I didn't hate that the second Ghost Rider is to me what like the like the second Transformers is probably to you. Like it's like I don't hate the second Ghost Rider. No, Actually, I, 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 I like really it. like the Ghost. I really like the second Ghost Rider. It's, it's made by the, the crank high voltage people. <laughs> it's better than the first Ghost Rider. Yeah. Uh, um. But yeah, I mean, like I, I think it's just overall it's been a good season because you they acknowledge like at this point four seasons in you you know who these primary characters are because frankly so many of the other primary characters are dead you have less primary characters to focus on the only new characters really that you introduce are so fucking well done like i mean i mean we haven't really talked about other than the pumpkin smashing yeah we haven't talked about this season was fucking great i mean i i lo- i mean i already loved him from the book see i mean i was looking forward to him being in the show so much after reading that third one even though I knew what was going to happen, but I just yeah. wanted to see him because I loved yeah. him so much. Like when, like when me and Matt did the Risk game, I was like, so Oberon's going to be a card. I don't care. <laughs> we didn't practice this. We should have started off this whole thing talking about like the level of fan commitment here. Oh. So, so Matt, is it Matt who's been on the show, right? Yeah, Matt's been on the show. So Matt Me and Matt, and... near the beginning of the year, um, I'd gotten the, uh, the 3D puzzle for uh, Christmas, and I, I sent a picture of it to him and David, and Matt's immediate reaction was, can we jerry-rig that to be a risk board? <laughs> we couldn't, but that's still, me and Matt started to design it. 
Matt really did the majority of the work because he he put the map together. I was more the making up weird special rules like uh, the wall. Um, like there's ice zombies piling up uh, against the wall. Player actually has to defend against them. I you know I came up with the rules for the leader cards and so on and so forth. Did you did you have the fucking amazing scythe? Was that an option to attack the ice zombies in your risk game? The what? The scythe, the big ass anchor that they drop. Oh well, that wasn't in the books, and I didn't. That wasn't in the books. No, the oh, because see, like I said, the the best book is the only one I haven't read. Yeah, <laughs> the yeah. one that's got the shit at the wall and the red wedding and all that stuff. That's that was the only actually one really cool to see in the show because I was just like, oh, that's badass. Especially like like mid thought, I was going. Okay, so that works once, and then immediately after I thought that, somebody was like, "Pull it up." <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> but uh, so yeah, we I, I didn't have the scythe because that wasn't in the book. Can I can I say the the upper body strength of the Night's Watch is impressive because it's like fucking ten ton anchor, two people, <laughs> and then you see or later in the show Pip or whatever, like fucking ten year old is pushing. Fat ass Tarly well, up, just, up the winch. Well, it's good, just good, really engineering. good engineering. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Brandon, Brandon the builder. Yeah, Brandon the builder does not does not mess up. <laughs> he does around. not fuck around. No, except when those barrels get lost. No Stark yeah. really fucks around. Actually, that's the that's the problem. Yeah, but uh, now that we're there, I suppose uh, that the the battle of the wall. I liked it. Actually, this is going to be seem apocryphal. I actually enjoyed it more than the battle of the Blackwater because I feel like this was yeah. the Blackwater. Same director. Blackwater, and then also the end, the end battle in season one, and many of the battles in season three. Like I feel like we we are most often cheated of the battle because of a budget, yeah. and they do it cleverly, and so I enjoy it. Mm. Like Tyrion getting carted off in the first season was to me one of the best things that the show has ever done. The giant explosion in the Blackwater, one of the best things that the show has ever done. But uh, but yeah, there's a lot. You more. get cheated out of a fucking battle. This is because I think we have less development to a certain extent of the characters on the wall. They're just like. Fucking fight! <laughs> it's everybody is fucking fighting. Oh uh, yeah, normally in the books you actually do see a lot more of the battles. Like, yeah. In that first season, Tyrion actually went off to fight. He, he, he didn't get knocked out. He was actually part of a battle. Oh. It's part of why and he's he able actually, to approach the second. I mean, the second battle at Blackwater, where he's actually able to lead troops, is because he's done it. Gotcha. That makes sense. Um. But yeah, yeah the, the, oh. that that episode by itself. I was talking to Chance at work about it, and he he hated that it didn't have any payoff. That it was just he didn't think that uh, the way that uh, what's her name went out, Egret uh, went out. He thought that was lame, really and cheesy, and that it was feeding the meme of you know nothing, John Snoo. I fucking teared up. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, like I, the, the way me. I saw it, that had to happen. I, I feel like the season was leading up to that point. And then meeting again, one of them had to die, mm-hmm. and I, I think it was really well done. I really liked that. I it, it hit me. I mean, I I mean that's the only. I was never thing. a big fan of her. I, I actually I, really liked her. Yeah, I really, I really, really, really liked uh, her because I mean, partly because the scene in the cave was so fucking funny <laughs> that I like it changed the entire tone. Like we've been like I didn't like I, I mean Jon Snow seemed like such a drag on the show. The wall seemed like such a drag on the show to me for such a long time, um, in the first two seasons, and then we get. Just like that buddy cop drama that that everybody else gets, like Arya and the Hound, or Arya and and um, and Gendry, or um, uh, 
uh, Gwendolyn Christie with anyone on the show. <laughs> um, so yeah, Brienne, if, if people yeah. don't remember. But like, yeah, I mean, or Tyrion with fucking anyone on the show. <laughs> Tyrion. So yeah, that buddy cop drama is is not. Matt and him, or Sam and him, do not equal that buddy cop oh, drama. Oh, what are you talking about? I love Sam. I love Sam, but it's not as good. He, he reminds because me of I'm, my brother-in-law. Well, yeah, <laughs> but I'm comparing I'm comparing those two and their funny dynamic as to everybody else, and it's like the quality of the lines are going to be with Tyrion and everybody who's south of the wall. Like, they were just there. And then she's there, and Tormund is there, and they're, they're pretty much like Bronn, or uh, they're like, they're just like, Fuck. <laughs> or, or the hound, like they get that kind of dialogue, they get that kind of wry humor that the the people at the wall didn't have, and it's it's great. Can I also say like Master Eamon was actually a great character to me this season, like the fact that he actually, I mean, he was a big surprise because again, the, when I watched the first season, I had never, I'd never read the book, and so like to hear him say like, oh, I'm descended from, I'm actually I could have been king if I wanted to be, yeah, mm. like oh, you think it's bad? I had my entire family decimated, <laughs> and I didn't north of the wall right people were begging me to put on the the crown and i had legitimate title to it and you're a bastard you know, how do you think you how do you think i felt uh one character i'm spacing his name son of a bitch um the the commander of the night's watch um that is uh not alistair thorne, alistair thorne yes, yes. Uh, all season long i was like this dude's a fucking, fucking prick and, and then like, and then he was fucking awesome in that episode it's just like <laughs> people have panned that in criticism because they're saying it's so much like a like not a meme but like a like a a base under attack kind of storyline like to make the salty commander actually get a payoff or whatever yeah. and die well but i'm he, like he's not dead who cares he's no dead. he's dead they they say he's fallen they they explicitly say sir alistair has fallen john ass after the battle when they're counting up their dead you don't see his body and possibly because something nefarious has happened well just because he's fallen doesn't mean he's dead i think it's heavily implied he's dead uh, they would have shown it. They wouldn't have shown him being carted off. I, I don't know why they. Did, I don't know why they didn't do it. Because I don't think he's off. dead. I'm, I'm just saying he's probably not dead, unless it happened in the books. I think there may have been a scene cut. Like I think, I mean, the way he was getting dragged off like that, my thought. I mean, especially to the kitchens. My thought is they're gonna fucking eat the dude. No, dude. He wasn't dragged off by them. He was dragged off by members of the Night's Watch. He collected his. Yeah, they they were like, oh shit, he's down. Let's go grab him. Hmm. They didn't take him off to the kitchen. And can I? Can I? Their cook knows how to use a oh, butcher knife. Oh, the fucking knife. butcher knife! <laughs> yes, <laughs> the butcher knife and the scythe are like two of my favorite things. Right. About and can we? We haven't talked about the fucking giants riding a mammoth. Yeah, that was. Pretty I've been awesome. waiting for that for four seasons because somebody told me that. Like, I asked, why should I watch the show, or Mr. why should I read the book? Mr. White riding a mammoth. Yeah. Yeah, he's like, uh, like uh, a mutual friend who I, his name I'm, I'm forgetting right now. Ian? He's like, what? Ian, Ian. It might, no, no, it was Kenny. Oh, this guy, I didn't Kenny. think Kenny me. No. I was like, so why should I read the books? And he's just like, there's eventually fucking mammoths or giants riding mammoths. No, I'm like, we, yes. we, we know the giant. Um, he's still alive. Oh, he is? Sir Alistair's still alive on the show? Like, where did you Google? I, I went to the Game of Thrones Wikipedia. Oh, like, does it say in the show? I thought we said we don't visit Wikipedia. <laughs> well, I already know what happened, so I don't oh. really care. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's still alive. Okay, well then that's interesting. So that means they're going to have to have, like, a legitimate challenge um, at the at the Night's Watch. Like, who's going to be the leader? It sure as heck isn't going to be... Who is the head so of... Stannis Baratheon at the moment? <laughs> well, yeah, well, yeah he's king. 
<laughs> he's king of everything south of the I feel like it's an interesting dynamic. Like, how cool was that meeting? Well, like, I feel it was a bit anticlimactic. I will say it kind of came out of nowhere. Should have been well, the end of the last it, episode. I agree. Yeah, when I uh, when I first started talking to you about yeah. the episode, I thought that's where it was going to end. Me too. It sh- probably Stannis, should have. Yeah. Stannis showing up like that, I feel that that's the way it should have ended. I also think Stannis and everybody in, in that whole thing, I think it's, I mean, forgive me, this will be my last mention of the book, I just think it's better. I think it's better in the show because they've compressed the storyline so much. Like, they, they take certain elements that take away your central characters and allow mm-hmm. them not to interact, and then they just say, well, why don't we just get rid of that with a line of expository dialogue, or why don't we just all go together and get that done? Mm-hmm. And they happen at different points. Mm-hmm. Like, because, I mean, like, yeah, I, I I do have to say Stannis going to the Iron Bank now does save some sort of bullshit later where you're kind of like, well, this does speed up things. Yeah. <laughs> well, I know. It earlier, makes it more credible, too. Earlier in the season, you mentioned how the show is almost like a second draft of the books. Better. Better in almost every way, to my mind. Mm-hmm. I mean, even though I love the books, I think by cutting... Look, you literally... There's somebody who has done a thing where they put Post-its on pages where they describe a meal. It's almost the entire fucking book. <laughs> it's like, you have that level of detail is what makes it into an interesting crafted world. The people who are looking at that dialogue are the people who are designing the sets, the people who are designing the clothing, the people who are designing um, the... I mean, the, fuck, they've written actual cookbooks for the show. <laughs> but, like, those things help world-building. They don't need to be dialogue. They don't need to be things that necessarily get filmed. Mm-hmm. And so you can have all the extra content on HBO.com when they don't fuck up by telling us things that haven't happened yet. <laughs> but you, because they do know. I mean, yeah, they've made yeah, it quite clear. Yeah. The showrunners have made it quite clear that they know how it ends. And because he ain't writing that quick, they're advanced. It seems like do they're advancing things. Do you quickly. think book six will come out before next season? I do not. I do not think that there's any hope in hell that it comes out before next season, even with the chapters that he's leaked. Yeah. I think he's leaking chapters so that people will feel okay about them including that content in the next season of the show. Yeah, I think I feel, literally that's the reason he's linking chapters. Well, I, I, I was hoping maybe they were going to release the sixth book like this fall, yeah. but then they're they're releasing a giant like Game of Thrones guidebook. Guidebook, yeah. Instead. Like, uh, and he's been writing that. Yeah. He's been fucking, I mean, forgive me for wasting time because this is part of our episode. If you, if you mind, we actually cut to the first interview because I forgot that we had those. Oh, yeah, we have a bunch. This is the perfect place to cut because we're talking about George R. R. Martin and the fact that he needs to be fucking writing and not writing a guidebook or a cookbook. He needs to actually publish book six so that we can have less kvetching about the show when it comes out next season. Well, in the words of Neil Gaiman, George George R. 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 Martin is not your bitch. bitch. (laughs) And that's why we're going to cut to our interview with Paul and Storm, the people that Neil Gaiman delivered that to. Hi, I'm Paul. I'm Storm. We're Paul and Storm. And you are listening to The The Kind kind of of Epic Epic Show. Show. Like the wind dedicated to George R. R. Martin in the 
gently poking that he should write his books faster. And uh, he showed up at last year's Bootstock as, as we were playing that song and smashed Storm's guitar. Uh, much, much in the way that he smashes our hearts every time he kills another Storm. And this, this has been documented on film. If you look up Bright Like the Wind, uh, George R.R. R. Martin, you'll, you'll find a way to. So essentially, um, did you have, with your guitar name, was it like, uh, were you like Joffrey or like, uh, or, uh, what's your opinion? Oh, yeah. Guitars, <laughs> no, the guitar name was Stark. <laughs> yeah, it was Stark. It was Oathkeeper. Yeah. <laughs> it was uh, Chordkeeper. <laughs> did you, I mean, you guys presumably knew all this was going down before yeah. Yeah, it was actually George's idea to smash the guitar. Like we we met him the year before and uh, discussed, hey, it'd be great if he did something at Woodstock. We'll see if the timing works out. And then when we approached him about it, we we had first suggested, and then he said, well, oh, if you have a guitar that maybe smash. That was when we knew he was our kind of people. And then the then being scolded by Neil Gaiman immediately afterwards was... Like, Apologize. <laughs> Say George is not your bitch. <laughs> it wasn't the icing on the cake. It was a cake on top of yeah. the cake. <laughs> it was like a, a cake turducken. All he did was retweet me once, and I'm like, my life is complete now. Yeah, he, he has that power for yeah. people. <laughs> We're back now. I hope y'all like that. I felt awkward because, like, I, when I talk about Game of Thrones, I curse more than at any point. Like, I would never feel acceptable saying the C word in public. Wait, did you, did you say the C word? I did say the C word because I was quoting the Hound. Because the thing is, like, what happens is that Neil or George R. R. Martin breaks their guitar, and I ask if they named the guitar, and they're like, "Well, of course we did. We named it Stark." As you heard in the interview, and I'm like, and it was the week. Of, this was a couple of weeks ago, and so it was the week after um, Arya had, had, had the awesome scene with the Hound and Arya, where Arya is like, "Oh yeah, I named it Needle," and everything. He's like, "He's like people who name the swords are cunts," <laughs> and I'm so like, "So are you with the Hound? Like, do people who name guitars are they cunts?" He's like, <laughs> he's like, "He's like, no, we're not in that camp." So like, I said it, but they didn't hear me the first time. You said time. a lot now. Well, I mean, I'm explaining myself. I'm okay, giving context enough, to my quote. Enough. Because it's such a horrible thing to say. I wouldn't say it in any other context. And I've heard it. It's funny because I listened to the Hodor, Hodor's podcast to his company. Yeah. And, like, he says it. And I'm just like, I think everyone on that show just gets so inculcated to these certain swear words well, that I don't see in most other contexts. I think a lot more uh, common. Yeah. In maybe in Ireland or yeah, where he's yeah, from. I don't yeah. know. It's so awful. It's like Robin Williams said. It's his worst. It's his least favorite curse word because it's like because it's my also my favorite curse word. <laughs> it's like it's, I don't know. I, I have no feelings. To yeah, me word. neither. Yeah. I don't. I just generally I don't. I'm not. That I don't think dirty. I use it a whole lot. Yeah, lot. me neither. Yeah. But once again, that's probably just because it's not a you know, regular feature in our vocabulary. So I yeah, also used it in true. the Game of Owns thing. It was like a recurring thing because I tried to redeem myself from how poorly I'd executed it the first time. Wow. So. We're going to cut to another interview in which you also say it again? Or we could not. <laughs> Maybe how we could edit that part out. How many times, Gabe? Enough that I think we'd be getting a letter from the FCC and maybe a campaign to ban us from... Um, Airwaves. Wow. So, okay. Let's, let's, I've only used it like twice, but to me that sounds bad. Let's uh, see away from that <laughs> bad joke and just go into the interview. <laughs> okay. 
Um, so yeah, you guys are here obviously at Indie PopCon, um, and now you're here with Kind of Epic Show. And uh, I'm going to assume that we're going to talk about Game of Thrones for a little bit here. Let's talk about Game of Thrones. Let's do it. Alright. So um, just to let you guys know, we are here with the Game of Owns podcast. Um, just give me a quick uh, introduction. How long have you guys been uh, talking Game of Thrones uh, to the, uh, the podcasters there on the interwebs? You know, I would say we started right when season two aired. Wasn't that uh, right? So season two was going on TV like right after the first uh, premiere. This, the first season had come and we'd all kind of seen it in our own little rooms, but we're all friends. So we said, well, now we have to do something and start watching it together. And that was, uh, that kind of, just that whole idea came and, and formed in the form of a podcast. That's how it turned out. Do you guys often have, like, guests from the actual show, or...? We've had a number of guests uh, on our show in the past. Uh, most recently, uh, Brian Cogman, who wrote uh, episodes four and six of this season, the fourth season, uh, came on the show for the second time, and he's always really good about, um, you know, obviously there's some things he can't say, but what he does say gives tremendous insight into the writing process. And the now to the main stage for the Game of Thrones panel. Yeah. We should probably go to that later. Oh, I'm um, sorry. <laughs> but even, no, 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 no. But even as a co-producer, too, just uh, how the show takes shape based off of either what's on the page or what was in the page to begin with in the book. So uh, he's been great, and uh, Christian as well. Christian Nairn, who plays Hodor, uh, has been on a couple times. We actually had in our first season, our first year, we had Hodor Week, where, where he came on. Uh, we, we had shows three times a week, and Monday, Wednesday, Friday, it was all broken into three separate like interviews times, Hodor Week. So kind of model Shark Week. Shark Week was really the, the gave us the idea for, for Hodor Week. Did you, did you uh, rent a ship and were you just like, I, I think we're going to need a bigger ship? Ship, going to need a, yeah. yeah. You know, it's funny, um, I hadn't seen that movie the whole way through when we did Hodor Week. I have now, many of times, but uh, I'm a bit embarrassed to admit You're that. the right city for it, because then the whole Indianapolis beach, you can actually go to the War Memorial for it. And then there will be there will be doll's eyes there, like a shark's eyes. <laughs> very, very dull. There'll be eyes like hold. Like I can't actually eats, yeah. I can't actually continue when this he metaphor. Eats, yeah. His eyes go white. Because he's all worked out. He's all worked out. Yeah, but uh, I mean we're obviously in season right now, and we release about two episodes a week, Monday and Friday episode, and. Uh, being in season definitely keeps a lot of the momentum going. It's, it's what we try and do during the off season, which we refer to as our on season. Because we go through the books then. Yeah, we, we sit down and go chapter by chapter through all the books. So you so you're um, there's kind of like two spans of reviews, like people who are literally legitimately just like I don't want to read anything, fuck you all for spoilers, and then there are the people who are like I've read everything, fuck you all for not reading the books. So which yeah. are you? Do you guys like fall in the between or? It's actually split. So we have four hosts on the show. Um, Zach, who's also here at the con, and then uh, Kate, who lives out in Seattle. And it's it's kind of a split right down the middle. Um, myself and Kate, we've read the books. In addition to seeing the show, and Zach and Eric have only seen the show and read up to where we've read on the podcast. Yeah. It's interesting to me because I the way that I did it, I, I just, we, we thought we were going to get on the show uh, freaking... 
freaking Jason Momoa. We we'd signed up to do him for for uh, New York Comic Con. It was interesting because his agent's like, yeah, the guy doesn't have a cell phone. It's really like last minute <laughs> planning. So yeah, I mean, it was, we were, we had it all set up to do it. We didn't end up getting to do it just because we we probably called him a bit too early. We were setting things up in, in like March for a November Con <laughs> or an October Con. Yeah. But but so we did. I'd never watched the show, and so I like marathoned it in a weekend. And I'm like, I must immediately buy book two. So I just needed. I couldn't wait. I needed the content. But I got halfway through, and I'm like. This next season spoiled, actually. Yeah. So I can understand the people who don't want to read the books, but I mean, where do you guys fall down? Because, like you said, you both have read it. Had you read it before you watched it? Yeah, the show? so he read before the show came out, I think. No, no, no. No, so season one on HBO, watched it, then had to pick up the books. Uh, and he read so, And I really, I mean, book one, season one, very consistent in terms of what's on the page and what's on the TV. And then things start to change over a little bit as you get into book two, season two. Yeah. Uh, but really, I just, I powered through them as much as you can power through those books because they're so damn big. I read the last two uh, in about the span of two days, which I'm really sad wow. to say. I, it was disturbing. I had a lot of yeah, I was talking Red like Bull, no, no, no. It was just that afterward, I was referring to everybody in like old English, and it was horrible. <laughs> yeah. I know this. Is, well, what's you? I, I think mean, I may have accidentally let a few wenches slip, and that did not go over. Oh well. no, 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 not the wenches. Actually, uh, one of our friends took the audiobooks from four and five and started piecing them together so that it tells the story a little bit better, better <laughs> than the books themselves do. Yeah, I kind of wanted to talk about that because um, it's fun because we were divided as well. Some of our hosts have not read the books. Some of them are just now starting to read the books. Um, but we're certainly current on the show. And it's really, what is this strange feeling of not knowing the fuck is going on? Yeah, <laughs> even after reading. Well, he said, was it the ending of uh, episode, was it five or something? Something changed. With the Night's, uh, the Night's Watch bit. And the Night's yeah. Watch yeah. bit. That and then HBO kind of did a fuck up. <laughs> they wrote like a retraction on their website. Like, we didn't mean that this thing was a thing that we'd written a character bio for. Yeah. So. It's been well, very the White Walkers too. I mean, that was a huge, oh, yeah. huge surprise for White Walkers. Didn't even expect to see. I think part of the challenge too is when you do a podcast where you've already read and you know what happens, it makes it difficult. Like, you got to be very careful what you say, uh, and the listener reaction is interesting too because there'll be people who have read the books but will try and call you out and be like, "Oh, you shouldn't have said this. You shouldn't have said that. You're going to spoil the non-book readers." It's like. When did you become this big champion of non-book readers? <laughs> like, uh, you know, Just but, yesterday you were saying, ah, you... But like, that episode at that end, I don't know how you felt about it, yeah. but it was the first time in a long time where like, I like, felt like... George, you better put out that next book pretty damn quick. <laughs> well, I felt like I didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah. Like, I, it took me all the way back to season one where you know Ned gets killed and you have that feeling like, what the hell just happened? What did I see? Because everything since, for me, has been, oh, I already know what's going to happen. It's just a matter of seeing how it's going to play out. The biggest difference between this season and I think the books is, other than the new content, is um, Peter Baelish. Holy shit! Expository dialogue. Yes. Well, it's about time that they gave him some more lines because we've always known he was one of the major players in the show. You know, they in the in season one they had him in the throne room with Varys just talking back and forth. Go, you know, what does this all mean about them having these uh, 
deeds that happen behind, you know, closed doors. But then we saw exactly just how powerful Baelish was, you know, over overall. He set the whole series in motion uh, with the death of John Aaron and, and, and of course, uh, more recently, the other deaths that he's caused. So I, I just think it's... Uh, Amazing to see how his philosophy, which I guess going back to a scene in season one was what knowledge is power. Um, I mean, in that scene with Cersei where he said that, she proved him wrong right away. I, that's like my favorite Lena Headey scene. Is she's so like, oh, oh, that, that's what you think power is. Yeah, kill him. Yeah. Oh wait, you wait. changed my mind. Precisely, power is power. But Baelish, uh, Baelish's philosophy would seem to have some merit again after years and years and years of uh, the otherwise. So uh, he is an expository, and he's creepy as, as anything. Uh, people don't feel safe for Sansa, uh, you know, in that situation because Baelish, of course, loved her mother and made some moves on her in recent episodes. So. Uh, but otherwise, I like the character. I think he's, uh, it's pretty cool what he accomplished. Alright, um, just kind of in close, um, where can people find you guys on the interwebs? So and we... um, what, I would be remiss if I didn't get some fan speculation as to where you think the, what, what other deviations are, or what other kind of turns you think the, the rest of the series might take? Jeez. Well, which first? Well, first of all, we are Game of Owns, and uh, the show got its name because at the end of each episode, if we're talking about an episode of the show or even a chapter of the book, we assign owns as sort of like trophies, as who owned who in this episode. Uh, it could be anything from quippy one-liners to just characters that dominated the whole episode or chapter. So give an example. Uh, I like the example of um, the Hound earlier in the season when they're approaching, uh, I guess... Was it like an inn or a pub or fuck the king? Fuck the king or <laughs> what the fuck's a lobby? Yeah. Um, or even the chickens, where he's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to eat all the chickens in this place. We right? just, we just interviewed um, uh, Poland Storm, and they, we, because George smashed their guitar and everything, and like, oh, I was like did you name the guitar? And then they're like, yeah, we named the guitar Stark because he kills it. And I'm like, oh. so you're of the opinion that people who name their guitars are in fact cunts? So you disagree with the hound? <laughs> yeah. And just that one line, like. People who named them, their swords are cuts. <laughs> I love that. that. It's like typifies the entire yeah. character. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And the show's good with that. As well, to where. Online, everything Game of Bones. I mean, yeah, Game Facebook, of Bones, Twitter, website, all Game, Game of Bones. And then as to where we think it's going, I'd be interested in how he thinks it's going to go. What do you think is really the secret behind the uh, White I think Walkers? You, you touched on it before. I mean, I think it's. I think you have power players that people don't necessarily pay as much attention to, uh, and, yeah. and Baelish was one of them. You see more of him this season. I think Varys is another one. Uh, I wouldn't say they're the ultimate power players, but I think you know so much attention gets focused on what's going on in battle, um, and we've seen a lot of that up until this point. But I think just as much is going on on the political side, you know, sort of the puppet masters. Yeah. And those two are probably by far and above anybody else. And I just want to see how that all plays itself. It's how he chose to end the, the particular books. So the, the book that focuses, focuses primarily on King's Landing and Sansa and all that. The cliffhanger in that is with, with Baelish and pretty much just like, oh, I'm not planning on taking over half the country in the next five days. And then the other one is, oh, I didn't just murder somebody in the throne room for the last four pages of this book. 
So I mean, it's yeah, it's it's interesting that those guys um, you've kind of been sitting in the background like they've been missing for entire books, yeah. and then suddenly have this capacity to show up. But of course, in the show, they can't do that because they, I mean, if it's Our like paid the actors who will go yeah, off otherwise, and it's like the what they did with Alfie Allen, they're like, oh, well, perhaps the intrigue doesn't work so well for for two seasons of the main cast guy disappearing. Well, I'd do you like, think that hurts or helps the show? Uh, well, in the case, uh, who was it? Lost did it with uh, Emily DeRaven's character, Claire. Uh, and she came back, it was two seasons off, and they finally brought her back for a couple episodes and tried to make her like a little crazy, threw some dirt on her, and it's like, she's just been in the woods for two years. <laughs> and so when that sort of thing happens, no, I, I, I like to see how they're pulling, and we always hear about how they're pulling, even without reading, from book five, from books, you know, from the later books, especially even with Theon's, you know, stuff. Uh, and I'd, I'm a Theon fan, a Theon supporter. He's made some terrible missteps, but I want to see him get some redemption in there, you know, eventually one day. And uh, just the fact that I haven't had to wait uh, for George R. R. Martin to finish writing a book before seeing a little bit about what's, you know, either coming or has happened even in later books is uh, a really good thing. So I'm happy for it. I'm happy for what they're pulling in advance. And just kind of, I like the way the show works. Thank you for, for agreeing to this interview. Thank you for letting me use the most vile curse words I've ever used on the show oh, because it's Game of Thrones. It is right? Game of Thrones. Yeah. It's, not, it's good, right? You feel like there's no filter. You can just say whatever you want. I had a great interview with Ben Templesmith earlier where he's like, I can say fuck and shit, and, right? Like, yeah. these are things I can say. <laughs> oh, That's the great. appeal, is it? Yeah. To being interviewed. It's like, think about how many interviews he sits through and wants to say those things and can't. My parents are never going to hear this episode. Uh, <laughs> that's all right. But no, we thank you guys so much for, for being on the show. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed part one of our Game of Thrones epic three-parter. Yes, three parts. Anyways, I'm David West. I was joined by David Gilman and Gabriel Canada. You can find me at DavidWest underscore K-O-E-S on Twitter. You can also find us on Facebook at Kind of Epic Show. Also, come check out our YouTube page. We've got some great stuff on there, such as panels, you know, from C2E to New York Comic Con, the panels here locally in Indiana. We've got Indie PopCon stuff, Indie Comic Con stuff. Just come on there, check it out. You won't be disappointed. We also have original short films and interviews with people. So, come on, go check it out. Find us on YouTube. And, well, if you want, you can also get us all those on Facebook as well. But go check out our YouTube page. Um, anyways, this is the end of part one. I hope you guys enjoyed, and come back for part two. Listeners, this is Micus, creator of the kind of epic theme song Zombie Kids. If you're interested in finding out more about my music, you can check me out at micusmusic.com. Also, I am on iTunes, Facebook, and SoundCloud. You can look me up as Micus Music, and that's M I K U S, and you know the rest. All right, peace out, everyone. Keep listening.